Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well, and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where I count you down who I think are the most relevant players across Supercoach, AFL Fantasy, and Dream Team for the 2022 fantasy season. Joining me on this episode, one of the co-founders, the 2020 DT champion. I'm talking about Rids. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How are you? I'm doing good. Now, this is a very popular pick from really the pre-season last year, and it was a tale of two halves of the year, and we'll dive into that in a moment. But Jordan Degoe is a fascinating player to put under the microscope in the 50 most relevant still just the 25 years of age mid forward and he delivered some real bumper scores for us last year his top score in afl fantasy and dream team last year was a 125 against the west coast eagles that's actually his career high score in that format of the game while well, it was 138 in super coach that's not his best score though ever in that format wind the clock back just to 2020 and it was a 151 against the Cats. 84.3 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 85.2 of the seasonal averages, but they're a little misleading given what he did late in the year. From Supercoach perspective, he's priced just over 460000 707000 in AFL Fantasy and $718,800 in DT. Rids, when we go back and think about that 2020 season, and if you're a Jordan DeGoey owner early on in the year, I talked specifically over the first couple of months, gosh, it was a headache early on for us. There was a heavy forward role. There was an early injury where he had a single digit score. And for the first couple of months, the guy just didn't get going. And a lot of coaches jumped off him before they would have got the reward. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? And he's had a very eventful off-season this year. So um, last year, he had one of those pre-seasons where he was touted for the more midfield minutes. Right. And then he started the year, and he just he was planted at full forward. He just didn't yeah. get any midfield minutes. Then when everyone jumped off him, oh, guess what? We're going to throw him in the midfield. Now he's going to get these midfield minutes. So, yeah, this guy's the most intriguing guy in all of fantasy for this year. We have no idea what he's going to do. No. But we know at his best, with the right role, he is top two or three forward, no matter what, across all the formats. I totally agree with you. When you look at these splits of scoring across the formats, he averaged 84 in Dream Team and Fantasy last year. Eight tons, three over 120, plus an additional four scores, 90 plus. While in Supercoach, 85 seasonal average, eight tons, Two over 120 and another four over 80. But but these numbers either kind of mask the poor first half of the year when he played almost exclusively forward, like you alluded to, and almost kind of diminishes to some point the success of once they moved to going into an exclusive midfield role. Let's look at that split over the first nine games in Dream Team and Fantasy, an average of 57 and an average of 61.5 in Supercoach. This is a guy you will probably paying up to be a premium you're getting worse than sometimes a cash cow scores in that line now that, that's slightly deflated with that single digit score in round five but it's the reality of what he did in those first nine games just the one ton 
and zero games with 20 plus disposals. However, from round 11 onwards, in those final 11 games, he moves into the midfield. This is what goes down. DT in fantasy, an average of 106, seven tons, three over 120, and a lower score in that run in DT and fantasy of 78. Then the next lowest is 93. Yeah, not bad. While in Supercoach, 104 was the average, seven tons, two over 120, and had 20 plus disposals in 10 of the last 11 games. I suppose it does two things for us, Rids. One, it shows us exactly what you pointed out, just how good a forward option he could be forward for us if he holds that role. And then two, from a strategy perspective, if it's a perfect reminder of don't blacklist someone and buy low when you see some good signs about a player. Yeah, it's this is really intriguing his season. Like when often while we're doing like playing the season, we miss these bits and pieces as we go. And when we sit back and look back, we go, Oh, it's just so obvious what's happened. Yeah. So after round eleven, like the last 10 games, I start at round 12 here. He didn't mm. kick multiple goals, no. not in one game after yeah. that, but he kicked multiple goals, including a game of six goals against the kangaroos in round eight. That's right. But I don't reckon Collingwood won a hell of a lot of games in that time. No. So so there's a couple of little – this is a flip, isn't it? You can go either way here. You can go, okay, he was absolutely instrumental in the midfield and he dominates it to a point. But Collingwood didn't kick goals. They didn't no. win games of football. Now, on the other side, they are actually rebuilding. That's now, true. they've got a couple of really damaging – interesting forward options you know the jamie elliott's the um ollie henry was yeah. it yeah. um there's a few others floating mccreary's showing some signs as a small forward yeah well there's will kelly as well and yeah. there's a few others through that where they might actually go you know what we want to build a team around the goey in the midfield the yes. goey's only 25 is he not so yep. So there's no reason why, you know, the older guys like Pendlebury and Sidebottom get pushed out of that midfield rotations and guys like the goalie become that linchpin in the midfield. But mm. on the flip side, he could he's so damaging up forward. Yeah. They could actually go, you know what, we're gonna build that midfield around Taylor Adams and um let's let's throw in Maynard here as well. Yeah. You know, a few other guys, Chris. And what we'll do is we'll leave the goalie up forward so we actually cover off the forward and the midfield. So I don't know how this is going to go with a new coach, MJ. And I think that's one of the two big unknowns as we enter into this 2022 season with still a couple of months to go until round one and the first game with the Bulldogs taking on the Demons in that grand final rematch. There's two big unknowns. One you've excellently covered, which is how does Craig McRae play this team both from a game style perspective and the use of cattle that he has we've seen teams get a balance relatively right with some older and newer hands you could argue adelaide and north melbourne are doing that relatively well at the moment through the midfield a side that didn't do it too well a few years ago probably was carlton where it was all kids and Crips, and they just got slaughtered every week. And so it'll be fascinating to see how McRae chooses to use these established premiership stars or mainstays of their side, like a mainstay and Crisp, in contrast to the side bottom and Pendlebury, 
And then those kids that you've mentioned that they've got, they've got a ton of them. Finlay McRae, Reef McInnes, who we haven't seen at AFL level. Josh Dacos really looked like he was blossoming on the wing, then didn't get a go there last year. Nick Dacos is another high-end pick that they got. Trent Bianco, Caleb Poulter on the wings. And then more recently in the draft, just gone, some run and carry players like Murley and Draper. So how that works is such an unknown. And then the second is, to be quite frank, He's not able to train in an AFL environment at the moment due to an alleged assault of what took place in the United States. He's still awaiting um, some legal moments to unfold. We don't have full clarity of what that might mean. But there is a world, Rids, where everything gets dropped or he's proven innocent and he can get back into that AFL system. Conversely, there's a world. Jordan Degoe may not play in 2022 and not be on an active AFL player. And that's why for me, those two worlds combining mean I've, I've had to put him so low in the 50 most relevant. Because if either of those two things don't work in Jordan's favour, um, and, and that's purely talking fantasy footy setting at the moment in terms of role and opportunity to stay in the elite environment rather than any commentary about what has allegedly happened with him and others in a nightclub in the States. We're steering well clear of that, but purely focusing on the fantasy side of things. If either of those things don't go for him, it doesn't matter about the potential of what he did last year. That, that becomes irrelevant, doesn't it? Well, it does. The reality of this is, though, and again, this is where it becomes so interesting when we start talking about relevancy, okay? Mm. Now, there's every chance that he's not going to play well, if at all, early on in the season, okay? That's if he gets off all these charges and everything else and everything's sure. rosy. He's going to have to put in some sort of mini preseason. He's going to have to get a bit of touchback. Yeah. Likely the start forward anyway at the start so obviously we put a line through him if we're talking starting squads yeah but guess what that means this guy who we we believe with the right fitness with the right role mm. is a top you know three four five for his position could absolutely become a bargain around his bike yeah and so, it's huge what the upside could be um, I, we've seen the potential that he's a 100 to 105 performer across formats if playing through that midfield role. I had, I had some thoughts early before I did the research of oh, the, the only reason that Dugowie was getting the tons was because of a really heavy mark count. But when I did the research last year, he only had three games where he had 10 plus marks. Um, and he even had games where he was getting just the four marks because I thought it was the heavy mark game was why he was getting that. But when you look into the research, like an example of it um, was if you go and look at round 13, 32 touches, just the four marks, four tackles and tons across the formats. Um, a couple of weeks later, a 32 touch game, nine marks, two tackles and a 124 and a 114. Um, they're, they're a single figure, figure low mark tallies to suggest that it's not that high mark game is what he scored well on he's he's such an intriguing bloke when you look at his year the upside is like you said he could be a top handful of averaging and performing players in our forward lines the complete opposite is we don't see him at all play football in 2022 it, it, there's so many outcomes here 
So, I mean, the thing is, okay, with those high mark counts, and it might, it's interesting who they came across. There was Richmond and Carlton, really, that jumped out of the screen in yeah. round 17 and 18. And neither of them really play accountable football. Like yeah. Geelong the same, where he got 11 through the midfield, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So, it's like they, they don't mind the chip. What I was most impressed with, and I owned him very late last year, mm. um, you know, for the last, I don't know, 10 rounds, eight rounds or whatever it was, was I loved his work rate in the midfield. He was was working hard. He was, you know, he was working so hard for his teammates and he was giving it off. He was, but the thing is, the guys, I just don't know, mate. It's like, I I keep thinking, okay, so I like to go back. When I'm so undecided like I am right now in regards to whether someone's going to become relevant or not in the season, but the thing is, he has to be in the has top to 50, to okay? Be. Only due to his upside. The thing is, though, in a slider, in a draft league, MJ, yeah. he could slide to one of the last rounds if we don't know the verdict of what's That's happening true. in one of draft. I mean, why not take a punt on a guy like this that could be top two or three in the forward lines yeah. in the last 10 rounds of 2022? And I mean... If you play leagues in the salary cap fact um, cap format, mm. that's the time. That's the sort of the timing you really want to actually, you know, finals and getting his fitness through and everything else. That's True. when you could actually have this guy coming in and impacting so much and win you a game of football. Because I don't think many people are actually going to touch this guy early, if not at all, for the season. Um, so I, I I actually think. He, he could actually be an absolute value gold selection for late in the season. Yeah, he's such a fascinating player for me to see what he does. There's only one format of the game that's open right now. Uh, you can certainly, if you're an assistant coach or a gold subscriber of Dream Team or Supercoach, you, you, you've got those team pickers, but AFL Fantasy is the only format open, so the ownership numbers are only visible there. He's in 5% of teams um, across the formats. And for me, that feels about right because those 5% of coaches are holding him because they see that he's priced about 20 points per game under what he delivered over those final 11 rounds. However, with the unknowns around McRae, with the unknowns about the lawsuit, with the unknowns of even just internally refitting himself back into that club and really re-establishing trust with his teammates. It's for those combination of reasons for me that oh, I just can't get aboard him as a starter, but... No, he can't be a starter. No, but as an upgrade option at the right... He's not a starter, you're right. He's a ruled out. But as an upgrade option, if he gets um, cleared of charges, and, and rightfully so, if that happens, then, and only then, watch him re-establish himself back into the system, re-establish himself in that Collingwood midfield. Because I think that's where he's um, he's most damaging is certainly around the ball. He's very, very good forward. But he adds something to that Collingwood midfield mix that both from the established and the new kids on the block, he brings something to that midfield unit they just don't have. And so the only reason he kind of forged a way forward was because he just lacked that fitness early on in his career. Um, players take time like that. There's some players that get to the elite levels faster. It took guys like Dangerfield. It took him a while. Dusty and Petrarca have now found realms. I'm certainly not contrasting um, 
uh, Dugowie to these names, but rather these guys that spent a lot of time forward because they just didn't have the tank as a midfielder. But then when it all clicks, they move in and become really, really great footballers. I certainly think Collingwood fans will be hoping a similar trajectory um, will be happening for Jordan Dugowie. So I, I agree. No to starting, upgrading, if all the stars align, absolutely one to watch. But drafts, you're right, Rids. You touched on this interesting point. I suppose when you do your draft and the news around Jordan will probably ultimately inform where people pick him. Because I don't know anybody in the first five, six, seven rounds of a draft that would feel comfortable using a selection on him, knowing that there's still a cloud about whether or not he's even going to be an AFL footballer. Yeah, so draft is, that's, it really intrigues me, the draft, okay? But I just want to go back a step. Sure. A young midfield, there's no reason why McRae won't blood a few of these youngsters, try people in different positions, see where he's at, especially late in the season, I think. I mean, if you have a look at a Maynard, okay, he's mm. going to be pushed into the midfield early days to replace either the goey replacement, you know, a bit of a tough nut in there and everything else. Yeah, a bit of speed, yep. But, I mean, it only takes one Tay Adams injury for the goey to be forced in there anyway. That's true. So, and then kids get tired as the season goes on. You know, the new coach, honeymoon period or not honeymoon period, however you want to look at it, he's going to try new guys out in new positions. He's going to see what the goey looks like up forward, what he looks like in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, there's even been talk about um, Nick Davis, um, Nick yeah. Dacos playing half back, you know, to start the season. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of positional throw arounds and everything else when it comes to the pies. But back to the, so this is why I think with the draft position at the moment, if you could snare him with your last forward pick, mm. live forward pick. That would be absolutely a steal. It would oh, be an absolute steal. Absolutely, like, it would. And I think a lot of people are going to be absolutely scared, terrified to go anywhere near him, especially early days. Like, yeah. And with those that forward line now, with all the big names being in there, and I mean, if you think through all the names, okay, we've got Jed Anderson, we've got Jack Grahams, we've mm -hmm. got all these guys that have been thrown in the forward line, including guys like Will Brody. Yes. They're all going to go before the goalie goes, Quite like in a draft. So I would be thinking, you know, if you can snag a goalie late. At the right price, well, yeah. Well, you kind of have to be really strongly considering it. And at the end of the day, if you do do it, holding for the year you're just yeah. going to say you know what i'm going to sack eggs whatever happens happens until he gets ruled out for the year i'm just going to hold him yeah and well, i can sit point. on the bench yeah well i mean you can get kids okay coming in like you, you can, can get a seven about, off the bench off the waiver wire almost every well, week in the forwards yeah pretty much like a sam sturt who we haven't seen for ages to come in and play yeah we got kids like holland and everyone else you know there's going to be plenty of options in the forward line yeah. So I actually think, you know what, you just get, you just go one extra at the last bench spot for the forwards, make yep. sure they're on the field when you need them to be, you know, you think about a Michael Walters as well. He's, he's not mm -hmm. even going to be picked pretty much after That's last true. year. That's true. Like, 
if you could snag a model Michael Walters as your bench forward in a draft league well, huge. and have the goalie as your last on field, that's huge, yeah? Yeah, because worst case scenario at this point in time in the draft, you, you, they're cannon fodder anyway. You, you're mostly disregarding them and, and trying to jump someone off the waiver wise after rounds one, two, three, or four. So in these later rounds of the draft, all you're looking for is upside. And whether it be Walters or, or Dugowie, the sky could be the limit if the stars align. And so, yeah, at the right price, I'm with you in a draft. Um, unless he's been categorically ruled out um, due to... A, what's happening in court, there's still a, a reasonable time frame to pick up Dugowie and for then for you to hold and hope that he gives you a really nice return in 2022. Yep, 100%. Mate, appreciate your work today as we've talked about Jordan Dugowie in the 50 most relevant. Too easy, mate. If you want to go and check out the article I've done on him or all of the other players so far in the 50 most relevant, the good news is you can absolutely jump on and go and do that now at coachespanel.tv. All of the links are absolutely right there for you. So you can jump on board, go and read them all. We're now done with the 40. So if you want to go and look through all of those players in the 50 most relevant that we've written about so far, go jump on at coachespanel.tv. While you're there, you can also check out our Patreon supporter group where for just a couple of bucks a month, you can get access to exclusive hidden groups, chances to win cash in some in-season prizes, some podcasts and articles, early access at the right level. If you jump on at the right tier level, some early access to these podcasts. And also if you jump in at our premium tier level, there's a bunch of other exclusive rewards. Some people that have done that just recently are Jack Small, uh, Kai Bolton, Glenn, and Daniel Cranage, who all have jumped on just in the past week or so uh, at that top elite tier as premium Patreon supporters. If you want to do that, you can check all the links for that at coachespanel.tv. All right, 40 to 50 in the 50 most relevant is in the can. Now we hit the 30s. And tomorrow, a real interesting player has really emerged. He's a premium, without doubt. But there's been a significant move that has taken place in this person's side that now should have coaches asking the, qu the question, can he go from a top 10 in his line to now being top two or three? There's a world where I can see it aligning. Who is it? I'll tell you about this person tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. <laughs> 